ओम ज्ञान ज्ञानंजन शलाकया चक्षुर्मीलिताये नम on speaking strongly in Sri Prabhupada's service. And that's the title that I gave him one article in one of my books. So it's along those lines. I wrote, in the, that comes in that book, My Memories of Sri Prabhupada, I wrote one, one essay, which was, had over a hundred quotes from Sri Prabhupada, plus from Bhaktisiddhanta Svartaka, and Gorky Shodas Prabhupada Maharaj also, about why we should and must speak strongly in service to the Guru Now I came to write that essay because I was so fed up of people telling me not to speak strongly. And particularly, there's one particular incident where in London I was brought to speak in a Sai Baba temple and I was asked before I went there, not to say anything against Sai Baba. It means that rascal from the South India, not the local rascal. So, uh, anyway, I didn't say anything against him. I gave a lecture. And then someone at the end of the class asked a few challenging questions. And I pointed out to him that, you know, you're talking such big talk, but you're such a fool, you're worshipping this idiot as God. And uh, you don't know anything. And I didn't know, but he happened to be the owner of the temple. <laughs> so, uh, our devotees were no longer allowed to give classes in the temple. And I'm very upset. Or the particular devotee who invited me was upset. And said, so I said, well, it's good actually, because you'll have to give a class somewhere else. And then it's better, because you, you can just say what you have to say without being compromised. And, he was upset, and then the next time I saw him, he said, actually, it's true, we have a better place now, and uh, we can just speak as we need to speak. When he was asked, why are you building a new temple? There are already so many temples. He said, we need a place where we can speak our own message without compromise. We may go to other places to preach, but we need our own place where we can speak without Having to, well, I guess without being thrown out, without having to find a new place every time. It's not that we should compromise our message, we need somewhere where we can systematically teach also. Of course, I mean, now, nowadays we're finding even within our own school, I mean, I don't know. It's Iskon is a big movement, so the it's different in different places, and the atmosphere and everything. A lot depends on the local leaders. So in a lot of places, a lot of places, some places we also find the bodies and don't speak too strongly, people will get upset, which is quite possible. It's quite possible that if we speak strongly, people will get upset. See, our movement, in many ways, is, is different from the 1970s. Different means Chinese Hare Krishna is going on. Basic things are there. 
But the, the, the way the movement's developed in so many ways, it's, it's different. Prabhupada, you see, well, he was speaking very strongly. We'll find in Prabhupada's books, now we have this uh, folio, you can do a search for words. So apart from words like and, and but, and the, and this, we'll probably find the word that Prabhupada uses most is Krishna. And you'll also find uh, very high in Prabhupada's word usage, much higher than uh, in practically anyone else's word usage. We'll find words like fool, rascal, nonsense, animal, etc. So in the 1970s, devotees, they tended to speak in the way that Srila Prabhupada spoke. And our movement was known as, a, as an aggressive movement. It came to be known as an aggressive movement. For the devotees' zealous preaching and for the methods of distributing books, once Srila Prabhupada was shown cartoon strip from a newspaper in America where it showed a devotee walking in one direction and then uh, someone else, what we would call a karmi, what nowadays you might get, you say karmi sometimes, but I shouldn't say it. Anyway, Prabhupada used to say karma walking in the other direction, and then they meet, and the devotee is showing him a book. And then in the next cartoon picture, there's a typical cartoon scene of a cloud of dust with fists coming out of it, having a scrap fight. And in the next one, the carnies are the ground with a book rammed in his throat, and the devotee is walking away, counting money. So apparently when Prabhupada saw this, he chuckled. That cartoon was a statement of how many people saw our book distribution and our movement became uh, unpopular of this, that the, the, the general perception of our movement was of people who, they go to airports especially and force you to take books. Actually, when Robert was asked about this, he said, there's no question of force. Every salesman has his tactics. And ultimately, it's up to you whether you buy or not. But there was a lot of propaganda in the newspapers and everything against our movement. Personally, I feel that it wasn't so much the tactics because to the people. There's all kinds of things which are advertised, using all kinds of tactics. But they don't like the, the content, that was the, that's the real problem. They don't want to face up to what's in the books. So, rather than take up the discussion of what is the subject matter of the books, they make big propaganda, all these Hare Krishna people, they're, they're cheating us, and 
They don't mind being cheated by the regular advertisements, which are all just cheating. It's a cheating business. They make you think you're going to see there's no need of an advertisement business. If the product is good, and you need it, and you have the money to buy it, then you'll buy it. At least, advertisement should be just, it is available. This is its specifications. But they, they make a whole imagination, imaginary idea. Just like cigarette, any advertisement, cigarette, whatever it is, beautiful woman is shown, with the idea that if you smoke this cigarette, a beautiful woman will come. And anyone who's got any brain, which makes you think that not many people have much brain, they will understand that this is just nonsense. Because if you smoke a cigarette, whatever cigarette it is, that the beautiful woman doesn't come. Probably they'll go away if you smoke cigarettes. So, uh, but people don't, there's no protest against this cheating. But if we distribute the books somewhat forcefully or whatever, then they become upset. So, it just proves what's in the books, that they're all rascals. But uh, this aggressiveness was, uh, it was being taken on I'm hoping got a bad reputation for that. And actually, in many ways, it may not have been necessary to have been so aggressive. And in many ways, our movement has matured. So, at one point in time within our movement, there was... And then our movement means, I'm not talking about so much in India, because in, in some ways our movement has grown up differently in India than it has in the West, because it's a different cultural milieu altogether. After all, in India, people in general know something about Krishna, and many people are open to hearing about Krishna. Whereas in the Western countries, it's not like that. It's a different culture altogether. So our movement has gone up somewhat differently in the West. And in the West, at one point in time, there was a lot of stress by the devotees. Don't, to all these enthusiastic preachers that don't speak so strongly, don't make people upset. So Prabhupada also mentions in one purport that uh, he's discussing how Chaitanya Mahaprabhu met Mayabadi, Varanasi, and very sweetly, by his uh, very humble behavior, he was able to attract their minds. So Prabhupada said that we should also do like that. And then, in, I can't remember the same purport or another purport, he says we should try to, try to uh, attract people by reasonable behavior, or if that doesn't work, kick on their heads. So there are both things. Carrot and stick. You know this example? Carrot and stick. A donkey is known as a stubborn animal. Sometimes we call someone an ass. It means they're very stubborn. So an ass, one way to get it to move is to hold a carrot in front of it and then it will move towards it. And if that doesn't work, then you hit it from behind with a stick. So they're both tempted. Both things. So there's a lot of uh, problems that maybe we should try a more indirect approach and, and so many different things were said. And in general our movement is more 
mild now than it used to be. It's not so likely that if someone meets a devotee of Krishna in the Western countries, not so likely as previously, that he will be very strongly preached to. So he, if someone is strongly preached to, they may feel upset about that. In fact, in the Western countries, especially in uh, the countries which are culturally dominating the world, that means particularly Britain and America, these two countries. America is dominating the world in all respects, militarily, economically, culturally. We say culture because there's not actually culture, but there's no other word in English to use. It's not, they're not at all culture. In the sense of a way of life, American hegemonies, they're all over the world. And Britain also, because they're very closely related. And a lot of the nonsense that gets spread all over the world actually originates in Britain, and in, in North Europe in general. So there is a... Uh, there is a social stigma. It's considered, within that culture, it's considered that there is something wrong with proselytizing. Proselytizing means trying to convince someone to take up your religious path, to convert people, to vigorously try to convert people. Because there is the general idea which was first coined by an Indian rascal, that all paths are the same. Jata mat tata pat. This is true. All paths are the same for people who do not surrender to Krishna. They all lead to hell. <laughs> Therefore, Krishna says, Sarvadhavan Parityaja, give up all those nonsense paths, Mahikam Sharanamraja, surrender to the only. So all paths except one are more or less the same. They're different varieties of not surrendering to Krishna. So the so-called Paramahamsa Ram Krishna in that respect was correct. He has gone to hell, and everyone else following him is also going to hell. He's going to hell means he went back to hell then. <laughs> where he came from. So, in the western countries also, there's this very uh, strong ethos of misunderstanding, which is passed off in the name of tolerance, is that we should tolerate all opinions. So this sounds very reasonable, doesn't it? It sounds very reasonable that we should tolerate all opinions. But it is based, uh, it sounds very reasonable and civilized, but actually it is demoniac. And I'll tell you why. Because it's based on the demoniac misconception 
that there is no absolute truth. And that therefore, any opinion is as good as any other. Because there's no actual, specific, factual reality. That this idea is demoniac is stated by Lord Krishna in Bhagavad Gita. Does anyone know the verse? Om Bhakti Shastris. Om Evale Bhakti Shastris. Does anyone know the verse? Hmm? Among the Sri Krishna, no, that's not it. No, no, getting closer. Asatyam Apatishtam Te. Who said that? Asatyam Apatishtam Te. That is what I'm Those are the description of the demonium. There is no absolute truth. There is no substantial basis to this universe. This is the opinion of demoniac people. So they say that all opinions are as good as any other. And it sounds as if they're being very reasonable. But actually by saying this, they are denying the absolute fact that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God. So it's like probably the example of the honest thieves. That after stealing the gang of thieves after stealing, they got together and they said, okay, let's honestly and morally divide the loot. Loot, this is a, an English word. It's come from Hindi, that's originally from Sanskrit. That is divide, the, that means we stole all this money, now we should divide it fairly between us. So they're very fair thieves. But the very nature, the very profession of being a thief is dishonest. So the idea that we shall all be very reasonable and tolerant of each other, that means uh, we are reasonably and tolerating everyone else's rascal. I'm a rascal, you are a rascal, and we'll simply tolerate each other. This is encapsulated in the English language version of Jyoto Mat which is the title of a famous book which you can now buy on uh, Indian train bookstores. The title is I'm okay, you're okay. When this was brought to Prabhupada, he said, that is not our philosophy. Our philosophy is I'm okay, you're not okay. <laughs> I'm chanting Hare Krishna, you're not. So I'm okay, you're okay. This more or less means that I'm a rascal, you're a rascal, so we'll all be rascals together. Tolerant each other. So this idea that we shouldn't speak strongly, we should simply tolerate all others, and people will think we're very reasonable. And then people will like us. So maybe... Maybe it's so. Recently I saw uh, an article which came in the Los Angeles Times. Somehow or other I saw it. I don't know how I saw it. And it was about our devotees. And it was a very, what we would call, a favorable article. And they were saying it was very peaceful and very nice. One of the things that the 
reporter said that, that no one tried to proselytize me. In other words, when I walked in, they didn't immediately take me to the bathroom and shake me up and uh, tell me to give up meat eating, gambling, illicit sex, intoxication, and so on. So that is considered very good in the Western world, but you don't proselytize anyone. You can have advertisements telling people to drink, smoke, go to hell, and all this kind of thing, but don't, you can preach anything, but don't preach about God. Everyone should have their own opinion. You should just be able to choose and form your own opinion. They don't say that in the school classrooms, that you, you simply will teach you all these things and then you choose and give your own opinion. They have exams. And if you give what is different according to their opinion, then they'll give you a failure mark. So, it's hypocritical. But there's this idea that people will like us, and maybe it's true that people will like us more if we don't preach very strongly. But that liking, what kind of liking will that be? That will be the shallow liking that typifies material life, where people simply smile at each other, but they don't give a damn about each other. It's the, just tolerate, you do what you want, I'll do what I want. You're going to hell? Maybe you go to hell. I'm also going to hell, but in my own way. You go in your own way. So that is not partaking in this uh, shallow, hypocritical, supposedly nice ethos may make people accept us. See, there came a very strong... uh, at one point in time, I always thought, well, we should be more accepted. So, we didn't have these problems so much in India, because in the beginning there was a lot of hesitation about our movement. In the 1970s, there was a lot of propaganda that our movement was the CIA and so many different things. That's changed now, and our movement is well accepted in India, and it would naturally be supposed so. But in the Western countries, uh, there were a lot of problems that Problems means that people didn't like to accept us and they thought it was strange. Not everyone, but in general, what is called the establishment, that means the the powers that be, the the press and the media, bad publicity against us, saying that these... So so many bad things. People tend to think it was strange. Uh, It was in the 1970s to go out in the streets of the Western countries with shaved head on guilty, on sorry, whatever. There's something quite sensational. That, that uh, Shamasunda Prabhu related that Shamasunda, one of the first disciples of Prabhupada, Prabhupada had at least three disciples called Shamasunda, but the first one, um, he related that once he was walking down Regent Street, which is one of the, it's one of the poshest streets, or the famous streets in London, with George Harrison, which you've all heard of now. We've all heard of George Harrison after he died. So, George turned to Shamasunda and said, This is a first. This is 
first time it's happened to me, that people are looking at you more than me. Because normally wherever he went, ah, but instead they were looking at him because he had a shaved head and a dhoti and all this. Nowadays, if you walk down the streets in London, especially central London, no one looks twice because they've seen our devotees for so many years. And to be abnormal has become normal. <laughs> that uh, if you see someone walking down the street with one strand of hair sticking out like this bright green, and another one like this bright pink, and then a dead snake wrapped around his head like this, whatever. I mean, I didn't see that particularly, but people do try to make themselves notice. And in big cities like London and New York, people, they make a point that if some, particularly if someone dresses in the most outlandish style, they won't treat him as if different and they won't look at him twice. Because they don't want to give them any credit for being different. So it's become extremely cosmopolitan. And devotees they're considered quite normal. Actually, quite often happens to me in central London that tourists walk up to me and say, well, you don't have to go here and there because they presume that we are part of central London. We should know how to go here and there. It's part of the central London scene that devotees are walking around. It's not strange anymore. It's considered normal. So our devotees have become accepted as normal, um, recently I saw a report on the, the last Rathiatra that was held in London and it got, uh, thanks to the efforts of some of our devotees, it got unprecedented media coverage as one of the biggest Hindu festivals outside of India, of course. Anyway, so uh, afterwards, after it was all over, a big wig from the BBC phoned and spoke to one of our devotees and said, now you are part of the establishment. And you have that term in America, I say the establishment. Yeah. So it means the, the, what does it mean? How do you explain it? It means like the, the accepted order of, of, how things should be, the, the core of society, that which is considered proper. Now that's very interesting because our, in, our movement started in the 1960s and the 1970s in the Western countries and was the first people who joined were almost all from the hippie, uh, what do you call it, hippie cult or whatever, hippies, they were hippies. So the hippies, their whole thing was to rebel against the establishment. So our movement was identified, although Prabhupada didn't like our movement to be identified with the hippies, but at the same time he recognized that the hippies were the ones who were joining the most. So the hippies, mostly all the hippies, they've gone back to normal society and become part of the establishment. And as a matter of fact, it seems that not John Bush, but Bill Clinton, he was somewhat of a hippie at one point in time, and Tony Blair, he was also. So, as Jai Veda Maharaj says, the real hippies, they joined the Hare Krishna movement. They were looking for the alternative. So anyway, 
a member of the BBC, and in England, the BBC, that the Queen and the BBC, they represent, this is really the establishment. So he said that now you become part of the establishment. So I don't know whether to be happy or sad that we became part of the establishment. Happy that we're accepted, but have we compromised? Actually, I'm getting into another subject. That's a much bigger topic of the whole status of our movement. Because it all goes together. The thing is that once we start thinking that you know, we have to speak in a way that people will accept it better, well, that's true. If we only, if we speak very strongly and alienate people, then they won't listen to what we say. That's true. So, we have to be careful what we say. But on the other hand, if we only speak in such a manner that people will like what we say, then we won't be able to speak Bhagavad Gita as it is. Because people don't like Bhagavad Gita as it is. Because they are Mura, Dushkriti, Naradana, and in general they're Dushkriti, they're rascals. So in general they won't like it. If we tell them what has to be told, they won't like it. This is the problem. So, if we become too much concerned with what the public thinks, then we, go, then we cease to be Krishna Das and we become public Das. <coughs> public Das means a prostitute, actually. Prostitute makes herself attractive to men in general. And she, uh, she presents herself as is pleasing to others and has no personal principles. Her only principle is how to be accepted to others for her own personal life. So in the same way, if we become too much concerned with what the public thinks, and then uh, we become false and insincere. If we become too much concerned with what they think, or how they will like us, instead of what they need to hear. There are two things, what they want to hear, and what they need to hear. The two things are different. What they want to hear is the politician's speech. The politician tells them, you are so nice, you are so wonderful, you are so great. And people think, oh, he's right. I should vote for him. He's a very intelligent man. What they need to hear, they, they need to hear after the politician gets voted in. Need to means from his point of view. Now we have to increase the taxes. Every part. No politician in his manifesto says, we are going to increase the taxes, we are going to increase the prices, railway prices, diesel prices. No one says that. 
Is it? Does any politician come out and say, my dear fellow citizens, please vote for me and we will increase your taxes. We will increase at every budget, no, even between the budget, every month, we will increase the price of petrol and diesel. And at every railway budget, the price will go up. No one will say like that. But when they come in power, they do it. They're politicians. Hypocritical. They only speak what people want to hear. Now, that we may speak what people like to hear, to gain their attention, is a preaching tactic which Srila Prabhupada recommended on the authority of Prabodha and the Sanskrit. How's that verse go? Dante did I come? I don't know. As usual. I'm a fool. I always forget the verse. Anyway. Prabhupada several times when he was asked, how should we preach? I happened to be present one time when he was asked this. How should we preach? And Prabhupada paraphrased Prabodhananda Saraswati that you just go up to a person and say, My dear sir, you are so wonderful. You are so great. And then Prabhupada said, Then the rascal will think, Oh, he's speaking the truth. Then what do you want from me? Then you should say to him, then just give up your nonsense hogwash ideas and surrender at the lotus feet of Lord <laughs> So we may flatter people to gain their attention. There is some scope for that. But not that we go on flattering them. Because that is actually that is not being nice. That is actually envy of others. Bhaktisthan Sasurthako said that the worst violence one can commit, worse than killing others' bodies or beating them, is to fail to deliver Harikatha to them. So if we are simply nice to people, you are so nice, you are so wonderful, but we fail to point out to them how their life is in need of reform, then they are actually being violent. Just like that is stated, criminal neglect. If a doctor if there's a patient in the doctor's care, or even if there's a doctor, say there's an accident and a doctor's there and happens to have, happens to be carrying bandages and all these kind of things. And the person's lying there, bleeding, and the doctor just looks. And the person dies. Then that doctor can be charged with criminal neglect. I didn't do anything. That's right. You didn't do anything. That's why you are wrong. Because you didn't do anything. You have the knowledge 
how to treat him, and the wherewithal, how to do so, but you fail to do so. Therefore you are criminal. So in the same way, if one has the knowledge of Krishna consciousness, but fails to deliver it to others, then he is criminally neglectful. So he may say, well, we should just speak in a nice way so that people can accept it. We'll just emphasize the good thing. And we shouldn't call anyone a rascal or any such thing. So, that is possible. But sometimes, you see, a doctor, if a doctor, he says, well, from now on, I'm only going to treat my patients nicely. Why should I cause any pain to them? So someone comes in with a big boil. Well, I'm just going to blow on it. Just blow. That's not his duty. His duty is to lance it. And it's very painful. I have personal experience many times. And many boils and abscesses. So there comes a point, the dentist, there comes a point, at some point he has to wrench the tooth out. It's painful. Even if you use anesthetic, well the anesthetic wears off. And then you feel the pain. So if you think that, well, I don't want to cause any pain, but they're already in pain. And sometimes pain is required to treat the pain. And if you don't treat the pain by giving pain, then the pain will simply continue and get worse. So sometimes it may be necessary to speak strongly. Of course that requires some expertise. We don't recommend that someone, after hearing one class, then they go and they be sent out to preach. There should be some training. But on the other hand, if we uh, fail to speak Krishna consciousness, or, or the absolute truth as it is, the truth, the truth is, as Krishna says, This is part of the truth. It's true that Krishna is very beautiful, very sweet. That's true. We should preach that. But we should also preach that Krishna says, these people are fools and rascals. If we fail to do so, then we're not fully representing Krishna. What we are representing is our own sentimentalized idea of what we think Krishna should be, which is actually offensive to Krishna. If, if we think it's not right to call, to use words like fool and rascal, then indirectly we're blaming Krishna as of, as not being able, not be, of being of right discrimination. That Krishna is unkind to others. By calling them fools and rascals. No, that is Krishna's kindness. 
That is our own enviousness of Krishna and our own puffed upness. If we think that I shall not say fool, rascal, nonsense and all these things. That means we think we know how to speak better than Krishna. Prabhupada sometimes, he sees how to say, well, only you see, you shouldn't speak strongly. Prabhupada can do like that. And you can't. Because you may upset people. Prabhupada upset people. In one uh, Pandal program in Bombay, Prabhupada was speaking so strongly, by the time he, when he started, the, the Pandal was almost full. By the time he finished, it was almost empty. People couldn't tolerate it. He was speaking so strongly. Afterwards, Prabhupada said, therefore, book distribution is better preaching. Because people tend not to become so upset. It's more, it's in a book. It's not directly telling them. But Prabhupada told them he didn't stop speaking strong because people didn't like it. There are many instances. One hippie in Delhi, Prabhupada called him on the stage and in front of thousands of people, Prabhupada was shouting at him and the hippie was shouting back. When one man stood up and said, I am God, Prabhupada said, You are God! <laughs> We laugh. Do we have the courage to say so? He's a dog. Only a dog. Only one person can say I am God and that's Krishna. Anyone else who says that is simply a dog. Rascal. Dog means a doggish intelligence. So, Prabhupada saying you are a dog to him, what did that person feel when he was called a dog? He must have felt, oh, very horrible. In front of so many people, I'm being humiliated. Actually, everyone clapped. There's a public program, and then the person sat down. So how did that people, person, he felt crushed. He felt hurt. Is it proper that a Vaishnava should hurt others' feelings? In this case, the person was feeling hurt. But, he was put in his place. He was put in his place. If Prabhupada had tried to discuss them, well, actually, you see, your Jiva Tattva, there's, there's uh, Vishnu Tattva, Jiva Tattva, and this and that. The man was uh, an arrogant rascal. He's not a person to be dealt with philosophical discussion. Put him in his place immediately. His feelings were hurt. Good. Very good. He was humiliated in public. Good. That is the right medicine for such a person. Because if he has any trace of sincerity, then he will understand. He will think about it and he will understand. Yes, actually it's true. I'm a dog. How could I be such a rascal as to stand up and say, I am God? And if he has no sincerity, then at least he's shut up and everyone can see, everyone else can see that actually he's a dog, he's not God. So the other people are saved from his nonsense propaganda. And also, he has the good fortune to be chastised by pure devotee of Krishna. This is good fortune. Of course you may say, well we are not so realized. 
So we can't speak on that level. Ah, uh, this sounds like it could be a very convincing argument. Then on the other hand, what should we do? Should we wait till we're fully realized before we speak Bhagavad Gita as it is? And then Bhagavad Gita as it is will never be spoken. Because a devotee never thinks now I'm realized. Rather, we should take the order of the whole parampara. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not that Prabhupada was some he was exceptional in that sense. He, he, he was exceptional in so many senses. But he said that my only qualification is I simply repeated what my spiritual master told me. And you'll find our whole parampara is like that. Everyone. Because Krishna speaks like that. And all the acharyas, they speak like that. Now it's not that in every lecture or every time they meet someone that they say, dog, rascal, fool, nonsense. It's not that all the time. But that is certainly part of their standard repertoire. To, because an acharya means one who speaks the truth, preacher. Everyone, when you say acharya, does, acharya doesn't mean someone up in the sky somewhere just flying in from Vaikuntha every so often. Acharya means a preacher. Every preacher is supposed to be an acharya. Archinoti Ashaskarani. Acharya means who speaks according to Shastra, who establishes the message of Shastra, and who acts according to Shastra. So every preacher is supposed to be an acharya. Of course there are different levels, we may say. But everyone is supposed to preach and behave as a preacher is supposed to behave according to Shastra also and speak according to Shastra. An acharya is supposed to speak the truth. If we don't speak the truth, then we become cheaters like everyone else in society. Simply trying to... There are different kinds of people in society. Some people are just blatantly nasty. And others, they try to live nicely with each other. But living nicely for the sake of mutual sense gratification, this is rascal. Even though someone may behave nicely, if their goal of... They may behave nicely means when they see you, Hello, how are you? Smile at you. But if the aim is mutual sense gratification, then they're not nice. It's just a veneer of niceness over exploitation and nastiness. So a devotee should speak the truth. And we can't expect that in a society of rascals the truth will be very popular. By nature, our message is unpopular. If we're going to preach Krishna consciousness, we can't expect that the, the main result of that will be popularity. If popularity is our aim, then when, then, then you become Ashram Baba or Ravi Shankar or Osho or something like that. 
What is our aim? The truth. We want the truth. That may not be very popular. Prabhupada said that he gave the example many times. He gave the example. If you sell diamonds, there may not be many customers. If you sell glass bangles, there are so many customers. The same thing also, if you preach to just have sex, then uh, there may be many problems. Sounds good to me. But if we say don't have sex, only under restriction, not very popular. So what should we say? Everything is okay, everything is wonderful, everything is fine. If we say like that, then why should people come to Krishna consciousness? Rather, I'm okay, you're not okay. There's something wrong. There's something wrong with eating meat, drinking wine. Actually, it's very interesting. In January, I think it was, I saw a drama that was enacted. It was done... Uh, one of our temples here in India, and it was a drama of a jamia, and it was invited the public. Two thousand people. So they invited the public, and it was the first public drama done in this area. So they did the story of a jamia, and as a prelude, they showed a normal man in modern India. That means he. He showed a few scenes. That he's, he gets up in the morning, goes to break, has breakfast with his kids, he feeds his kids a bit. Then he says, what would you like? And one says, I want a casserole. And another says this. And then he comes back in the evening and gives them all gifts. And then they're all very happy. And then the next one he goes off to work again and comes back. Then he has a heart attack. And the Yamadutas come and get him. And then it goes on with the story of Ajahn. And afterwards some people are asking, but why why that man in the beginning? Why did the Yamadutas come to get him? It's just a normal person like me. It means they're gonna come and get me too. Oh actually I forgot, there's one other scene I forgot. That it shows him being nice to his family and bringing them gifts. And then there's one scene him sitting in a chair. So Merely a bhakti karna ka koi jaru There's no need for me to do bhakti. Main kisi ko dvesh nahi karta hoon. Main acha admi hoon. I don't hate anyone. I don't dislike. I don't do any harm to anyone. I'm a good man. But the Yamadotas came together. <laughs> so it's like that. People are nice, they're reasonable, this, that. But unless they're Krishna conscious, they're going to help. Because their so-called niceness is a manifestation of envy of Krishna. He's made, I am the maintainer of my family. I am giving gifts to my children. He's taking, the, he's taking the position of God within his own family. My wife serves me. My children adore me. He's artificially taking the position of God. He wants to think. So, strong speaking is required. And 
unless we do this, then actually what will happen, we'll become like Asharam, out of living, out of going to hell. Where you see the guy smiles, has this big smile, and everyone likes him, because he praises everyone, and tells a few stories and jokes, and tells them, you are all God, Ishvara Komano. So, GP Ishvara, so, what is all this rascal? Oh, in this art of going to hell thing, I don't, they don't talk anything, it's not, it's just some kind of uh, making people feel good about themselves. Don't worry, just relax, and oh, I don't tell you what they're saying. And, and with some pretense of being religious. And there are so many things. And you get this, this, uh, was that Dongi Maharaj from Pune? Dongre? Dongre, Dongi. He's from Pune? Somewhere from Maharashtra. So, it's the same thing, you know, tell all stories, Nice, be nice. He's a Mayapal. People think he's a great Pakta. But he was a big rascal. Because uh, he told stories of Krishna, people thought he's a Pakta. Ultimately, he's a Mayapal. I remember once we were in Sanapur, and we didn't have any center there, but I was out of the Padiatra. This was 1989. I remember it was just after I took Sanyas. So, this Gongi Maharaj was coming to the Dharmshala where we were staying for some function or other. We have to be there with the, the Gornitai deities around. And the devotee in charge of the Padiyatra said, well, let's have a kirtan to greet him. And I said, no, I, I don't want to do a kirtan to greet these rascals. Anyway, he insisted, so I joined in also. So we had a kirtan when we in the gate with Gornitai deities. He walked right past and didn't do Such a rascal. All the devotees were upset. I wasn't surprised because I know he's a rascal. <laughs> so if we don't speak the truth, if we don't speak to benefit people, if we simply speak be nice and try to attract people and many people come and join, then we may get many followers. But it won't be the parampara as given to us by our acharyas. It will be something like that. And then everything will become watered down, step by step. Then everything's nice, everyone's nice, everything's good. And what's the difference between being a devotee and not being a devotee? Or what's the difference between Prabhupada and Dongi Maharaj? What's the difference? Maybe he's a, he's a great scholar, spoke of the Bhagavatam. So many people believed in Krishna because of him. We don't differentiate then uh, you can actually become a Mayavad. And uh, there will be no particular... The only principle left will be how to, how to bring many followers. That's all. Unless we preach Krishna consciousness as it is, everything will be finished. Everything will be spoiled. We see, just like Ramanuja Sampradaya nowadays. Don't mind. You may not like what I'm going to say. But it's the truth that such a wonderful sampradaya with so many great devotees, Ramanuja Acharya was speaking so strongly 
against Mayavadi. But now you'll see most people, so-called Ramanuja Sampradaya, they're all Mayavadis. And many of them, the, uh, who's tr- from traditional Iyengar families, means Ramanuja, Brahmin families, that still on their altar, they worship whatever, maybe uh, Balaji, Tirupati Balaji, or Ranganatha Swami, or whichever particular deity form has been worshipped in their family for generations. But alongside, they'll be worshipping Sai Baba, or this so-called Kalki Avatar from, who escaped from the LIC office in Bellor, uh, <laughs> he was in the LIC office, and then one day he realized, actually I'm wrong. Why should I simply uh, be an LIC officer? Better to be God. And uh, so many uh, Iyengas, they're coming in uh, such a nice sampradaya, they've also become complete rascals by worshipping this rascal. If you worship a rascal, you become a rascal. And even they're also doing, they may be doing Shaladam Puja, mostly they don't, but they may be also. But uh, it's complete. Why does that come? Because there's no preaching in their sampradaya. There's no education and there's no preaching. There may be some preaching, particularly one, the Chinna Jiyaswam in Andhra Pradesh. He's doing some preaching. He has many followers, but actually there's no, there's no real life. There's no real life in it. Even many people come and they have a vague idea, they have a general idea of Vishnu Bhakti. But there's no strong preaching. Therefore, it is only a vague idea. They'll mix up, they'll mix up with all Mayavadis. They don't discriminate. It's all Dharma, it's all good, it's all wonderful. No. That is our message. We should never get mixed up with these rascals. We should know this is the truth. Everything else, except Bhagavad Gita as it is, is all simply cheating. So unless we preach strongly, then we'll simply become another Hindu movement. What is the use? Then what was the use of Prabhupada coming and preaching? If he was simply to make some vegetarians. Sometimes people, sometimes supposedly devotees, members of this concern, them, well, you know, Sai Baba, it's also quite good because people who follow him, mostly they become vegetarian. I tell them that it would be better they ate meat and didn't follow Sai Baba. They would be less offensive to Krishna. It is less sinful to be a meat eater and not think that we Sai Baba is God than to be a vegetarian and think he is God. It is a far greater offense to Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, to consider that rascal or any other such rascal as God. It's a very severe offense. So we meet, uh, you'll find practically everyone who, who we're dealing with, they're all actually offenders because they're all infected by Mayabadi, Krishna, Aparad. Everyone thinks, 
this Mayavad idea that you can just consider anyone or anything God. So here in this area, this uh, local Sai Baba, people they think he's God and they think Dhanapati is Ishtadeva. So many nonsenses. It's actually nonsense. And it's actually, even though people may be superficially pious, their piety is misplaced. As a result of which, while apparently being pious, they're actually practicing envy of Krishna. Demigod worship is envy of Krishna. Worshipping all these bogus incarnations is all envy of Krishna. Anything which is not Bhagavad Gita as it is. Even this mixed up so-called Vaishnavism. Like this Bhagavad It's all enviousness of Krishna. So we have to very clearly understand this. Otherwise we ourselves will simply become Mayavadis in the dress of Vaishnavas. And we have to speak it out also. And people may become upset. Which will just prove that they're rascals. They may become upset. Or they may change. If they change, that is their good fortune. If they don't change, that's their misfortune. But if we don't tell the truth, then there's no possibility that they'll change. If we simply say, yes, yes, everything you're doing is very nice, then they're definitely going to go to hell. If we tell the truth that this is wrong, you have to surrender to Krishna, they may get upset. It is a risk. Prabhupada said, preaching is taking risks. But if they listen to what we say, then they will be saved from repeated birth and death and they will come to Krishna. So preaching doesn't mean only speaking strong, it also means giving prasadam, holding public festivals, building temples, so many different things required in preaching. But having done all these things, building temples, holding festivals, if we, having done all that, we withhold the message of Krishna, then it simply becomes a big entertainment, that's all. Our festivals simply become spiritual entertainment, which is what all these guys, Asharam, all these rascals, what are they? They are pseudo-spiritual entertainers, that's all. They have nothing substantial to give people. So, I also see that in India, there are many initiated devotees who, even though they're initiated, when these uh, so-called famous Katakas come to town, they'll also go and listen to them. And they watch them on TV. Why is that? They, they're not, they haven't actually become devotees. They're pious people who are chanting Hare Krishna. Maybe. We don't know what the quality of their chanting is. And they may be following the four regulated principles, but they haven't actually become devotees because they have not subscribed to the principle of Sarvathaman Palitya Because no one has told them because they're being nice to them and they think we made them a devotee. We didn't make a devotee. If someone, the other day I, was, I went to the house of an initiated devotee and I saw on his altar he had demigods, he had Radha Krishna and so many things. But also demigods and his old Kula So I said to him, what's this? You're initiated and you're still attached to all these things and 
I got in his case a bit. He said, Maharaj, why don't you chant Hare Krishna a bit? I said, this is Kirtan. This is the Kirtan you need to hear. Not the Mahamantra. You heard the Mahamantra so many times, but you didn't understand anything. You hear this Kirtan. And how to be free from your anarchists. What is that? Siddhanta Alashjan Anartata Charena. This is the words of Bhakti Siddhanta Those who are lazy in the matter of understanding the Siddhanta, they can never give up Anartas. If you don't want to hear what is the truth, then even if we're supposedly initiated devotees, then we can never make any progress in Krishna consciousness. So we need to hear ourselves, and we need to tell others. Otherwise, what you're going to find, that we are the people say, I am a member of Islam, but I also follow Kalpi Bhagavan. You don't know Kalpi Bhagavan. He didn't, his fame didn't reach this far yet. His infamy. But it's all the same. Oh, they, want to, they want to distinguish what is the real thing and what is not. And then you'll see that uh, then our own devotees will be in competition with Ashram and Kalpi. Because if we're not giving the substance, the fact, then what is left? Entertainment. And these guys, these uh, Nirasharam and others, they're all, uh, they're expert entertainers. So we're going to be the losers. If, if we come to the platform of entertainment only, these guys are way ahead of us. What, what do we have to offer people? If it's simply telling some nice stories about Krishna, then there's already this Kripaguji Maharaj is now coming up. He's an old man. Many years ago he molested a young girl and was put in prison for that. But uh, he's now discovered the internet and all these things and he's becoming a big shot nowadays. So these guys, they're already expert. There's a whole industry in India of entertainment in the name of Bhakti with your Anup Jalota and your, your uh, in Vrindavan they have these Ras Lila groups and it's entertainment, promotion. So if we only want to entertain people and be nice and it may be Krishna, maybe that we're speaking about Krishna. But it's not speaking about Krishna in the way that our Acharya spoke about Krishna. And the result will be that we may get a few sentimental followers who don't really follow anything anyway. And who don't have faith in the words of Krishna. Because when we speak the words of Krishna, they get upset. If we speak, then sometimes some of our own so-called devotees become upset. What does that mean? Why they upset? Because they are Muna themselves. They themselves don't want to surrender to Krishna. And they get upset. Or oh, other people will get upset. Actually, I find devotees say to me, don't speak like that, others will get upset. Actually, I generally find when I speak strongly, others don't get upset. But it's our own so-called devotees who get upset. They're the ones who become upset. And others appreciate, actually. At least this, they, at least this much that they appreciate that this person is not speaking to flatter. At least that much they appreciate. So it's a big topic.
Uh, I wrote in that book, My Memories of Prabhupada, I gave a whole section on it. If you want, you can read that. The numerous quotes, over a hundred quotes from Prabhupada on how we have to speak strongly. So, Hare Krishna, time's up. Isn't it? You have your classes, when do they begin? Uh, what time do they begin? No, no, the uh, Bhakti Shastra. Uh, Ten o'clock. Yeah. One person might have been to go nine times. I was uh, really appreciating your point that we have to see this one, especially when we look at the realistic Siddhanta, Anandra Siddhanta. The same time, uh, uh, I just want clarification. Uh, I have seen sometimes uh, people are ready to listen to Siddhanta. Uh, first, uh, they want to be, uh, to have developed some faith. First, they want some massage. Yeah. yeah. First, they want to develop some faith. So, alright. But at, when are you going to introduce Siddhanta? It may be, uh, we have to see how, ultimately people have to be sincere. Recently I had a discussion with one of our devotees who's been preaching in, a, in an unorthodox style. Uh, he was preaching, talking about flying saucers and so many different things, to attract a certain kind of audience. So he was saying it's good to brought so many people to Christian consciousness. So I was saying to him, yeah, but the thing is that they all believe all that. So it's not exactly Siddhanta. So you may bring them to Christian consciousness, but I mean, they may be chanting in this and that, but they got some ideas which are not according to Guru, Sadhu and Shastra. Later I discussed with some other people who were quite aware of that kind of preaching and said that actually it's true, those people that came because of that preaching, they all believe all this stuff about flying saucers and all the things he was saying. And that when you try to, they came on a particular level due to a particular kind of preaching and then when you try to give the straight thing, they go away. Because they didn't, they weren't attracted to Siddhanta. They weren't attracted to the real thing. You were trying to come to their level instead of trying to bring them to your level. So you made some, you came together on their level. So you may do so. But unless you're able to bring them to the actual point and the actual truth, then you may increase the number of followers, but you may not increase the number of devotees. You may be starting something resembling an upper sampradaya. Just like there are so many upper sampradayas. What's wrong with them? You'll find the upper sampradayas they, they, in Bengal, the Ao, Bao, Karta, Bhaja, Nera, Dharavesh, all these names are given. What's wrong with them? They all at least verbally accept Krishna as the Supreme Lord. 
and where Tilak engage in Kirtan. Quote Bhagavad Gita, what's wrong with them? In many cases, the difference between what they're doing and what we're doing isn't very great. Superficially, it doesn't seem very great. But it's so great that our Acharyas have rejected them. Uh, in, in one case, instead of chanting Hare Krishna, Laube, they chant Nitai Gaurateshan, Hare Krishna, Hare Rama. Everything else they do is pretty much the same. Totally rejected. Sahajis, rascals. Why? There's some point of Siddhanta, deviation. Everything else, okay. Rejected. Others, you'll find Goranga Nagari. What's wrong with them? They do everything nicely. They have nice temple. They're even vegetarian, which is pretty rare in Bengal. But in their temples, they have Gaur Vishnu Priya, which is also not necessarily wrong because Bhaktivedanta Thakur established at the Jyoti. Gaur Vishnu Priya. But they have Gaur with a flute. Rejected. Because there's a mistake in Siddhanta. So Siddhanta is so important. It's very, very dangerous to compromise on Siddhanta. We, we may say we'll do so in the beginning, but at some point you have to very clearly establish it. And personally, I find the best place to establish it is, is pretty much at the beginning. Because then you'll find that at the beginning you'll get sincere people. If you don't, you may bring in so many instances people you have, then it becomes like Kami society. You have to adjust with them. So better speak the truth. There are enough people who, anyway, what does it matter? We should speak, I, I'll tell you, sir, Bhaktisiddhanta Sasrataka, that many people used to say about him that he's such a, a great scholar, such a great Vaishnava, such a great tapasvi, that if he would only just adjust his message a little bit, then all the lakhs and lakhs of Vaishnavas in Bengal would accept him as their leader. He could have hundreds and thousands of disciples if only he'd be a little bit more lenient. One time, a school headmaster came to Bhaktisiddhanta and said, You are preaching to us very difficult things. This don't eat fish and all this. So we are already fallen in the well. Why don't you give us an easy method to come up? He said, You are not asking me for an easy method to come. You, are, you want to pull me in the well also. You come up. Don't pull me down. So many times he used to say that it is my commitment to speak the truth. And even if the whole world goes against me, even if no one accepts what I have to say, even if people beat me or try to kill me, which they did, even if my own disciples don't accept what I have to say, even if they all go away one by one, leaving me alone, I will not stop speaking the truth even for one second. That was his commitment. That should be our commitment. We're not here to please the public on their concocted, envious platform of sense gratification. We're here to please Krishna. 
If there's anyone who's sincere, they will take it up. If they're not, if there's no one who's sincere, what can we do? At least we should be sincere. At least save ourselves. Because once we start to speak all this concocted nonsense, then we also become polluted. So, Hare Krishna, I'm finished the uh, I was thinking about it because uh, I mean, you, uh, we didn't fight this particular cases, I was speaking on a general principle. How it's applied in each individual case has to be seen. I, I, without understanding the whole situation, I can't, I can't say. It's exactly how we preach what we should say in each situation. We have to see. Preaching is, is a function of the soul. It's not necessarily... Uh, then such a certain thing should be said in a certain circumstance. We can't legislate it down to the smallest detail. We hear, we follow seriously, and we speak according to our realization. And exactly how that will come, how the super soul inspires in any situation, we have to see. If you're not sure what to do in preaching to any particular person, then you can refer to some senior devotee who knows that particular situation. But uh, you were talking about someone who's chanting eight rounds and following another path. How is that in the first place? How did that happen? What's like already something's wrong, right? And how is that? One thing is very interesting I'm seeing is that often in our preaching, especially in India, we, we ask people to chant Hare Krishna and get them to chant rounds and everything without giving them any philosophy, hardly at all. But I always saw Prabhupada did it on the other way. He would speak philosophy first, and then get people to chant. Because, like I was saying this morning, if you bring them in on one platform, it's difficult to change them later. 
Now, often we ask people, Chandra, please start chanting one round this, that, but it's just like your mother. How many rounds she's chanting? One or two. She's chanting something. But uh, I gave her a whole rubbing down about what a nonsense she is for uh, being addicted to this ashram last week. But uh didn't make any difference. You know, I'm trying to agree. They don't understand anything, so they're not really... That's why I was asked this similar question this morning, that uh, we bring people in and then we can try to change them later. I would, I would say from the beginning we, we should try to get them to understand what Shuddha Bhakti is. Otherwise, if we bring them in on the platform of Namaparad, then we'll just be helping them to develop Namaparad. There are many people who chant Hare Krishna or names of the Lord who are uh, not getting it. Practically no benefit from it. Sai Baba followers, they chant the names of Vishnu. But it's all Namaparad. They even chant the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. It's all Namaparad because they think that Sai Baba is Krishna. So how would you even get anyone to eight rounds? What is the meaning of their eight rounds? How did you get them so far without telling them the truth or taking the trouble to uh, properly instruct them? They're not on a solid platform. It's diagnosing the disease late, very late, should have been de- treated before. Generally, <laughs> So, कोई विशेष धार्मिक या तथाकथित धार्मिक राष्ट्र में नहीं है। 
क्या बेनिफिट है इतने ज्यादा नहीं होगा क्योंकि आज मतलब दस बजे नाम अपराध होते हैं अगर साधु शाम बनेंगे तो वो भी छोड़ देंगे ना हरे कृष्ण महामंत्र भी छोड़ देंगे नहीं देखना चाहिए करीब महामंत्र चलेगा या करीब वो गलत हस्तर ऐसे सुबह ऐसे बहुत कि अगर ऐसे लोगों को कभी भी खड़काश बच्चन नहीं कहेंगे तो वो दिमाग तो वैसे ही रहेगा तो स्ट्रांग बोलने में तो रिस्क होते हैं लेकिन अगर हम स्पष्ट वास्तविक सत्य कभी नहीं कहेंगे तो उसको बदलाना तो कभी नहीं होगा संभव है अगर हम स्ट्रॉन्ग रहेंगे तो संभव है कि मन में कुछ लगेगा कुछ लगेगा तो करेक्ट हमारे और नजदीकी नजदीकी आएगा या करेब दूर जाएगा लेकिन कुछ ना कुछ होगा सिचुएशन देख कर उनको बात करना है तो सभी स्थिति तो एक ही नहीं है हर विषय स्थिति में तो विचार करना चाहिए लेकिन मेरा साधारण परामर्श है कि स्पष्ट कहो और भगवान में विश्वास करो देखिए प्रोपात का जीवन चरित्र में तो कितनी बार प्रोपात ऐसे स्ट्रॉन्ग बोलते थे यू आर नॉट गॉड यू आर डॉक एक बात है कि प्रोपात बहुत कम लोगों को डायरेक्टली तुम रास को तुम बदमाश ऐसे नहीं बोले लेकिन लोग जो ऐसे बोलते थे कि जो भगवान में विश्वास नहीं है तो वही राष्ट्र होगा ऐसे बोले तो लोग जो प्रॉपर को बोलते नहीं भगवान को विश्वास नहीं है प्रॉपर ऐसे बोले लोग जो भगवान को विश्वास नहीं करते तो वैसे बदमाश स्पर्श नहीं करते कि तुम बदमाश The reason is Mahaprasadi Govindai Nama Brahmane Vaishnavai Svalbhambunyavatam Rajam Vishvasa Naivajayati Who has got Svalbhambunyavatam 
their Vishwas in Mahaprasad, in Govinda, in the Holy Name and in the Vaishnavas does not arise. But they will chant. In course of, if they are reading Prophet's books, in course of time they will chant. It may take some time. But their, their bhagya has still to become manifest. Now it's in, now their bhagya is in the sukta avastha. That will come. This uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur describes this. Chaitna. There's stages. Uh, there's sukta chaitna, then, uh, then vikasit chaitna, and profulit chaitna, different stages. Now that chaitna is in the, is almost ready to, to awaken. There's a question, you want to ask a question? Anyone yeah, know what? Count, please. My question. Uh, my question is, uh, my Panavia energy is delivered also. I told, I told him that uh, Ganesh, Ganesh, Ganesh is not uh, supreme personality of Godhead. I told him, but in your country, you see, they are telling me what... No, generally, generally you see the parents don't listen to the children. How <laughs> <laughs> can... I, I cannot say that you are fool. No, it's not. It's not 100% required that you call everyone a fool. <laughs> I show I show them Bhagavad Gita also. That's better. You show them Bhagavad Gita. That's better. Silent distributing books. I mean, uh, many, many different kinds of people. No, when we're distributing books, we don't call people fools. We let proper call them fools by giving them books. Yeah, but they they are telling me that that is a propaganda. It is propaganda, but it's propaganda for the truth. Yeah, no, the thing is, you can't expect everyone to listen to what you say, especially, you see, in the Bible, I believe it said that, or anyway, it's an English saying, and most of the, many of the English sayings come from the Bible, that a prophet is never respected in his own village. Because they, just like Prabhupada, he went all over the world, when he came back to Calcutta, all his family members, relatives, they thought, oh, it's our friend, our relative, and they spoke They didn't do So, what to speak of you? <laughs> anyway, you see, when we have broader vision, we see that the whole world is our family. So, you, then you can preach to the whole body. There are so many people. If your family members don't take it up, what to do? There are so many other people to preach to. It's a big world. There are many people. Some people are more willing to take up Krishna consciousness than others. So better we concentrate our efforts on people who are more willing to take it up. Christians, what's the use? Speaking to Christians. If you want to discuss, you can discuss, but they won't, they're not listening anyway. There are so many things. Holy Spirit, where in the Bible even is said anything about Holy Spirit? It's just it's something invented. So many things. Tell them that the uh, Jesus was a vegetarian. It's good evidence. But they won't listen, so why, why waste your time? 
Yeah, they come and so you say, please take this book. If they say no, you say, God bless, and go on to someone else. <laughs> That's nice. You please distribute Prabhupada's books as much as possible. But don't be disturbed because most people don't take them. They gave me Bible, they are telling me to read this, this, these are God words, you take it, read it, keep it from I don't want to understand. I read the book back to them, and I told them I'm not going to Very good. Well, preaching to congregation, uh, we have seen as you uh, were telling in the morning lecture that many of the families, they are already engaged in some so-called so philosophical organization like Asaram, Bapu, or Kalki or whatever. We know that it's nonsense. But while preaching to them, it, it, sometimes it helps to understand what they are following. We do not know, I mean, uh, most of us like myself, I believe, uh, have directly come into ISKCON, they have absorbed the philosophy and we are following. But we may not know about what they are actually doing. So could you please tell me what, what are they following actually? There is, is there anything to follow in these organizations? Is not, they're not really following anything. They just have his picture on the wall and that's about it. There's nothing to follow. That's why it's easy to get followers if there's nothing to follow. <laughs> <laughs> So, try to understand, it's easy, you can get their whole philosophy in five minutes, it's called Afsarvad. Afsarvadi. They take advantage of people's foolishness and semi-spiritual sentiments and become a big guru and enjoy name and fame for a short time. That's all. There's nothing there. All these, they're all very shallow. These are all for very shallow people. All this. Ashram, Art of Living, Osho. There's nothing there. There's, no, there's nothing... Anyone who is even slightly genuinely interested in spiritual life can understand this is all cheating. Actually, I first saw books, Prabhupada's books, I must have been about 15 at the time, I was at school. And my best friend at school showed them to me. He said, oh, I got some of these books to show them to me. I immediately rejected them, I didn't even want to look at them. They said, I know about all these Indian gurus, they're all cheaters, don't show anything to them. <coughs> because it's... I, don't, I hadn't gone deeply into any of them. There were a few Indian gurus in the Western time. It was just so plain that they're just complete cheaters. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. And then later on, by Krishna's grace, I again got the opportunity to see one of Prophet's books, and then I understood there's something substantial here. So I should try to find out more about it. Otherwise, you see, many people, they're disgusted with religion altogether. And one reason is because these people are such cheaters. And any person with any... any people who are a little intellectually... who are actually thoughtful, 
they can understand this is all cheating. His ashram is for the, uh, that's for the people with absolutely no brains at all. <laughs> and uh, this art of living guy, he's for pseudo-intellectuals. And Osho is also for pseudo-intellectuals. There they get a more, what you might call a more high-class kind of people. But people are actually sincere when they get Prabhupada's books. The Prabhupada said that. He, the people who are sincere will appreciate these books. That's why we always have to push on this book distribution. And that's another reason why we have to speak clearly. It's not that in every circumstance and every time you meet someone you have to, you know, it's not a regulated principle that you have to use words like rascal for nonsense. Sometimes people are surprised when I give a lecture and I don't say things like that because they, they, think, they think that, you know, I have to. It's not that you have to all the time. But uh, the point is that by doing so, then more since if we do actually ourselves sincerely, if we're doing it with, a, with ourselves a sense of, of anger or wanting to... No, anger, that may be anger for the sake of Krishna, there's nothing wrong with that. But if we're doing it for our own aggrandizement, or to show I'm better than you, if we're not properly motivated, if we speak strongly, then it won't have any effect, it won't have a bad effect. But if we're actually sincere to serve Krishna, and we speak strongly for the benefit of others, then we'll find that people who are more sincere, they will appreciate. They will separate the sincere from the insincere. And if we don't, if we have a policy of only speaking in a manner in which we assure the people they won't get upset, then we'll actually, we won't attract sincere people. We'll attract insincere people. If we don't speak the truth clearly, then we'll attract people who are not interested in the truth. Who are interested in spiritual sense gratification. Religious, no, it's not spiritual, religious sense gratification. That means the feeling... Nice feeling. I'm good. God loves me. Everything is very nice. These people who want to be... We can say they're pious, but they're not very sincere. We'll attract such people. And then we'll have all kinds of problems in our society because people are not actually sincere. and They've come for other reasons. And then uh, there'll be... Arguing over position and so many different things, and fighting with each other. Because they have another motive. Hare Krishna Mahal. Hare Krishna. Is that done with the, uh, he's doing that, he's making a scholar. Mahal, you haven't told, you will tell the do's, and don't tell the don'ts initially. That you should chant. You should associate, you should have pressure. And do not talk at all about uh, giving up uh, coffee or tea or liquor or whatever. Mm. So, let's want it to may be, be. Like. It may be. It may be that if people get a taste for the holy names, they'll give up their taste for these things. But they may give up liquor, coffee, tea, and, and but not give up their misconceptions. 
That's what I'm saying. Even I find there are initiated devotees who are still attached to demigod worship. Their so-called their previous guru is still main. Even the, per, the person's a complete mayavadi. He still maintains an attachment. So giving up these, uh, giving up this gross sense gratification is more difficult than giving up this subtle sense gratification. That's why actually initiation means dikka kale bhakta kare Diksha means that one surrenders oneself. And actually traditionally in diksha, the disciple, he makes a vow to surrender his life to Krishna. So, if one is still cultivating anarthas, deliberately cultivating anarthas, then actually they shouldn't take initiation. We should preach in a manner in which people will be benefited. Which means that they will give up all their material attachments and surrender to Krishna. Maharaj, in the morning you said that uh, if you are preaching to different platform and attacking a certain kind of uh, audience, it is very difficult to uh, convert to take, get them to our platform. The point I was making is that if we preach to people who are attached to a certain misconception, if we, if we try to accommodate that misconception, we make our presentation that Krishna consciousness is something like their misconception. And they may come with us, they may start to come with us, but then when you bring it out, that you have to give this thing up, then uh, it will be very difficult. Then you have to see if they're actually ready to give that up. I gave a particular example. You could... You could... Yes, sir. Hmm? You have well, yeah, there's, there's a whole thing, actually. Someone wrote a book about uh, how the flying saucers, they actually come from the center of the earth and so many different things. Which is unverifiable by any means, by guru, sadhu, shastra, science, whatever. So, a certain kind of person might be, might be attracted but then, to that. But then later on, if you tell them, well, actually, this is all nonsense, I just said that to attract your attention, then they may not accept that. Risks can be taken in preaching. Risks, I, I was talking about one, one risk is preaching strongly, another, another risk is to mix with people on their own level. Prabhupada did it to some extent. He went among the hippies. He was never became a hippie. <laughs> but he spoke in their language, you know, to some extent, or at least his original followers did. They, they said, stay high forever. Because the hippie's idea of happiness was becoming high, which means to get intoxicated, especially on drugs, especially this LSD and uh, marijuana, especially LSD. So their idea was to get high. 
So they compared Krishna consciousness to staying high forever. So, an expert preacher, they, they know how to introduce Krishna consciousness according to different people's mentalities. But at the same time, we have to be very careful not to hide the truth or compromise the truth. We should never think that we can give anything less than the truth and that people will actually be benefited. We may give it in gradual installments. That's also possible. But if we, if we don't give it in total, then we're cheating. And those gradual installments shouldn't be too gradual either. <laughs> Otherwise it never happens. People get stuck on a lower level. And often this shock treatment is also very effective actually. Sometimes by speaking strongly, you can... Yeah, one method is to go gradually, gradually, gradually. Step by step you try to take them, it's very difficult, they remain attached, this, that. You're, you're keeping them in an attached stage and trying to make them gradually unattached. So sometimes it's just like a surgery, it's, it's quick but it's painful, but it has a quick effect. So sometimes people can just change. Just by, everything, all their analysis can be revealed at once by understanding, yes, actually I'm a rascal. Everything, uh, everything I was thinking is all wrong. That's, uh, that's one approach that you just immediately, instead of, instead of people retaining their puffed up attitude that actually I know so much and all, all right, I'm just learning something from these Hare Krishna people, but actually my, my old idea is good. If they immediately understand, I mean, yes, I don't know. Then they can immediately come to the platform of Shishas Teham Shadi Mahantram Prabhupada. If you're, if you're taking people along step by step, that means they, unless they come to the point of understanding that they don't understand, then they can never actually become a Shishya. Shishya means they have to be ready to take the required instruction. They should be ready to take whatever is taught. That is a shishya. So if the guru has to play games with the disciple and flatter them, what is that? That's not guru-disciple guru relationship. If the disciple is not prepared to be chastised, he's not a disciple at all. Shishya means he takes the shasana. So if, we, if the guru is simply flattering the disciple, then, then it's not at all a guru-disciple relationship. Hmm. Of course, now we're talking about guru-disciple relationship and we're talking about general preaching. And so then there may be a difference there. Well, you can't expect everyone just to become your disciple. But the point is that if we are preaching and we're talking about people taking up Krishna consciousness, following regulated principles, getting initiated, they have to be disciples. If they have their own idea, then they're not disciples at all. Prabhupada said disciple means like becoming a clean slate. 
Get rid of all your old wrong ideas. To me, it sometimes seems like some kind of uh, you know, wishful thinking that you just tell people all the good things and you never tell them all the bad things and then they just kind of realize all by themselves. And how does it happen? It's just like... You know, they, they have a... Uh, they have a cancerous growth and you, you just give them some aspirins and then you hope, you just kind of hope that it'll go away. And how is it going to work? Some kind of strong treatment is needed. It's just, uh, to me it just seems like a lot of sentimentalism, thinking that, well, you know, you just be nice to them and then smile at them and give them prasadam and then... Or just by all by themselves, they'll realize that all the misconceptions they've had for millions of lives are all rubbish. How is that going to happen? Yeah, whoever's got the mic has got the adhika, I guess. Or even you see, you might say the things like indirectly. But even that, if people have got like a cancerous growth, you know, if you just kind of mention indirectly, they see, well, actually, you see, we don't, we're not really very much in favor of worshiping the demigods. If you put it in very <coughs> indirect kind of language, and then the people say, oh, okay, they won't take it very seriously. But if you say that all this demigod worship is simply an obstruction to Krishna consciousness, people are addicted to this, they can never go back to Godhead, it's simply another form of envy of Krishna. And they might start to think about it. If you make it a light kind of thing that, yeah, well, actually you see, in Krishna consciousness, well, we don't really worship demigods. And Krishna's beautiful and he's nice and he's kind of fluid and all this kind of thing. And just kind of, why be embarrassed? Tell what needs to be told. So many misconceptions, millions of misconceptions. Every devotee, neophyte devotee means they have, every, their whole outlook on life is contaminated. Prakrita bhakti, that's called materialistic. It's an oxymoron, it means a contradictory term. They have, you'll find a neophyte devotee there. You know, they're interested in the cricket match and uh, what else? They think that you know, all, all different sadhus are good. So many misconceptions. All the different sadhus are good. And they can't distinguish between who is a genuine devotee and who isn't. As long as one is in a neophyte condition, one cannot make advancement. And you're in a very, always in danger of being totally captured by mind. It's a very dangerous condition. You see people, they may be coming to Iskon and chanting a little bit, and, but then some uh, Swami, Yogi, Bogus, Ananda, they may be coming, and they'll speak very nicely about Krishna, and cry a little bit, and sing a few songs, and people say, oh, what a great devotee. And when we go to Iskon, you see there's no bar, it's, oh, you see it's just all this Bhagavad Gita, but this... 
Govas Ananda Swami, he sings so nicely and cries and tells nice stories and because they have no discrimination. So how long are you going to wait? When are you going to uh, give them a reconditioned mind? When are they going to know the truth? Otherwise, as long as they're addicted to all this sentimental pseudo-bhakti, then you can't get shuddha-bhakti. You'll forever remain cheated. You heard from who or what or why or when? You heard from Shastra? Some devotees. Where did they hear from? What is the original source of this statement you're about to make? What is the original source of this statement you're... Many times we hear this, I have heard. And then we hear some fantastic speculation. So I have heard, this is supposed to make it sound authorized. Who have you heard from? This is it's another way of thinking about preaching. But the two points when we speak strongly, it often destroys the faith of people. No, they don't have any faith, so how can you destroy it? For example, somebody They don't have faith. There's no question of destroying their faith because they don't have any faith. They may have some uh, sentimental appreciation that they see you in orange and they see Osho people in orange and they see Ramakrishna people in orange and they think they're all sadhus. That's not faith. That's misplaced piety. That's all. It's not faith. You may offend their sentiment. That is true. That is a risk that you take. But I've seen many times that people who I've uh, offended, they feel offended. Later on they come around. Because immediately their ahankar is, is challenged. And then afterwards they think about it. So, like I said, you have to say in every situation, it's not necessarily that everyone I meet, I tell them, you're, you are this, you are that, or whatever. But, uh, again, the same thing, that you can play along with people for some time and pretend that what they're doing is okay. But at some point you have to tell them. When is that point going to come? And if, just like for instance, in one in Dubai, before everything was developed, it was just in money before he was initiated in his flat. So they were asking about, I, I was the only sannyasi going there at that time also. So there were these Sai Baba people coming and uh, to those satsangs and they were asking me, well, you know, should we allow them to come or not? They're saying, well, while, while they're with us, they, you know, they just do what we're doing and they're trying to, they're saying their whole presence is simply polluting the atmosphere. And if you don't if you don't speak against Sai Baba, and they're coming, and you know they're Sai Baba followers, and unless you make it clear to, to everyone coming that this Sai Baba is a rascal, then uh, everyone will think that you also, you know, you also appreciate Sai Baba and you also accept, because you know they're Sai Baba followers, you don't say anything against them, so that means you must accept it. 
Monam Samati Lakshanam. So, Mani was telling me, you know, you don't say anything, you don't say anything. And of course, I did say things. <laughs> and, uh, and believe it or not, one of the ladies who was coming, she, she, she uh, changed, at least externally. She gave up sight loving worship and became an initiated devotion. <laughs> she didn't get initiated by me, I guess she thought it was too heavy or something. <laughs> but, uh, no, anyway, she told, anyway, anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, I'll tell it, I'll tell it. She told that uh, in her dream that I can, I didn't know anything about it. <laughs> and I was chastising her, that why are you following this so then? And then she gave it up. <laughs> so sometimes Krishna arranges like that. <laughs> if you don't have a, a very, maybe hate is the wrong word, but if you don't have an extremely strong dislike, and unless you're agitated and feel most uncomfortable and angry against all these rascals who are misleading people, and you can't actually be a devotee. It's just like if Shishupal is standing there insulting Krishna, and you're saying, <laughs> Shishupal, we shouldn't hurt his feelings. See, he's also a nice man. Then you become a rascal yourself. Yeah, it means you don't actually have devotion to Krishna. If you if your tolerance goes so far as to tolerate all these people who are cheating others, then you haven't actually you don't actually where's your love for Krishna? So love for Krishna doesn't mean ringing a bell and smiling and offering flowers. That's there. But uh, we also have to Fight for Krishna. Maybe, maybe not permanent. It may be for some time. People will know we're different. They'll know. That we, that will be very good if people know that we hate Osho, that we hate Sai Baba. That will be very good if they know that we are different. Otherwise they think, well, you know, Iskon, Sai Baba, Osho, it's all the same. Better that they know that we are different. Better they think like that. I would say so. Unless you want, you know, to be, unless you just want cheap popular respect. That everyone says, oh, Iskon, very good. Osho, very good. Sai Baba, very good. Everything, very good. Very good, very good, very good. They, it's good. They should know that we're different. We're against all this nonsense. They may not understand why and they may dislike us for that. At least they should know we're different. And many people will appreciate that. Some people who are rascals, they will uh, they'll say, well, you have a permanent bias. But others will think, oh, these people are so straightforward. They're speaking the truth. They're, they're not just... The other people, they'll think, you know, Sai Baba, they're a rascal, Osho, they're nonsense, and Hare Krishna, they're all the same, they're another same. That was, that's what I told you just now. 
when I first saw Prabhupada's books, I thought, I don't want to see. Because I already saw so many Indian gurus, they're all cheaters. So let people know that we're different. Our aim is not to be, uh, have popular acclaim. Some people may dislike us for that. If, if, if some people don't dislike us, I would say we're not preaching properly. We're not speaking the truth. If we, th- this is a, a, a strong misconception which is practically all pervasive in the Islam world today. And maybe I'm one of few who are saying like this and maybe you can have a vote and say I'm wrong or whatever you like. But if our aim is only to that all the public will like us, then we're not properly representing the Parampara. And we're not properly preaching Krishna consciousness. Rather, as Prabhupada has pointed out in one purport, if the demons are disturbed by our preaching, it is a sign that our preaching is having some success. So it will be very good if the Sai Baba people and the Osho people and everyone else hates us. Very good. And if they don't hate us, there's something wrong. They should know that we are their enemies. Prabhupada writes in one purple that the aim of this Krishna consciousness is to kill all the impostors who are imposing as incarnations of God. That doesn't mean we physically kill them, but we should kill them, rascal, cheating, by preaching the truth. You are not God, you are simply a rascal. And some people will get upset. That's true. But that's another misconception maybe we have from our Kami days. That our parents taught us you should be very nice, you should be very good, don't upset anyone. But that doesn't come, that doesn't necessarily come in Krishna consciousness. As preachers of Krishna consciousness, our aim is not to be, uh, we, we don't necessarily subscribe to the middle, the values of middle class India. The Vaikuntha values are different. So to be middle class India means you're nice, you deal with people respectfully, politely. That's good in general dealings. But we can't, for the sake of preaching, uh, we, we can't, we can't stick to that and our preaching should suffer. Our aim is not simply to be nice, respectful, polite and all these things. Our aim is to speak the truth about Krishna. And if people don't like that, that is their misfortune. But this is Thakur, they wanted to kill him. He came from a middle class Indian background. But he openly spoke against all different forms of cheating. And many people, they disliked it. He never stopped. You see, this... Um, Prabhupada told Giriraj Maharaj that my spiritual master never compromised, I never compromised, and my disciples should also never compromise. So yeah, people should know. It'll be very good, actually, if people know that we, we, our aim is to kick on Darwin's face. Let people know it. They may say bad things. Let them... It's good, it's better they say bad things about us than they say nothing about us. 
Prabhupada said that in Germany there was so much propaganda against our movement. The, the, the devotees are thieves, murderers, kidnappers, and so many things. And it was very difficult for our devotees. They were, they were, people would spit on their face and so many things in the street. But they were distributing more books. They just went on distributing more and more and more books. And when Prabhupada was asked, he said, yes, this, this part of this reaction is good. Because they think that all the time they're talking about Krishna and they're thinking about Krishna. As a result of that, you see most of the young people of the country, they actually liked our movement due to all the bad propaganda against it. Because they thought if the government is against us so much, there must be something good about it. <laughs> Thank you so much. In India, like when we preach, people think a sadhu means someone who just smiles. We should show. Sadhu, this, uh, the, the, the duty of a sadhu is to hold a knife, just like someone in the bali, with the goat. His duty is to chop, to cut away all the misconceptions. Sadhu is not simply holding a flower. The people who want to be cheated, they have made a stereotype that a sadhu should simply be someone who smiles. You come to him, he smiles, he blesses you, you are very nice, you go away, and you feel nice. <laughs> but rather a sadhu should be someone you come to and he tells you why you are such a rascal. That you are not nice at all. You have to reform your life. That is the real duty of a sadhu. That you are in maya, you have to change your life. Mostly the sadhus you see, the Alkhamans. I remember years ago, it struck me, I was in Bangladesh. Many years ago. <laughs> Somehow I was in some village and there was some Gosai, I mean some Kula Guru, so-called Vaishnava. So somehow I was sitting there with him, I don't know how on earth, but anyway. Some old widow came up and said, Oh, I have pain in my eye, I'm losing my eyesight. And he said, Don't worry, God will look after me. But she went away feeling somewhat better. And I thought, what a rascal this man is. That the woman is old, she's on the verge of death, he should tell her, that yes, your eye is failing, this is, uh, this is a sign that death is coming, you should prepare now, chant Hare Krishna, get out of my... But he's not actually, you see, these people, they're not actually interested in other people's welfare. They're just interested in maintaining that person's ahamka, that that person will think, I am very nice, and he's on a hunker, that he wants that people will, oh, he's a nice sadhu, very nice. And everyone will respect him as being very nice. This means we are attached to our own sense of mental comfort. We're not actually interested in benefiting others. If we're actually interested in benefiting others, then uh, we won't care what others think about us. We'll care what others think about us, yes, we should maintain our proper behavior as a sadhu. So if they cannot criticize on this on the basis of your character, if you tell people that you're doing this, this rascal, and you're also a rascal, 
then they should complain. But if they see that you yourself, you have nothing to gain from them. I don't need your donation. I don't need your adoration. I've got nothing. I have not nothing to get from you. I'm following these principles very strictly. There's nothing to do in his life but serve Krishna. So then people, they'll, by your behavior, they will respect that. That you have got, you're not, they will be shocked. And they'll say, I never saw any sadhu like this before. And then they'll start to think. In the beginning they may be shocked. But they'll start to think. It will have an effect. And if we do follow strictly, and we, we preach, According to Shastra, then it will have an effect. We want to change people's lives. Even you see, Prabhupada would often, even his disciples, even they didn't have this, may not be any gross philosophical misconception or whatever, he chastised them for very small things. That way I'm failing. I don't chastise my disciples much. That I'm not being merciful enough to them. Mm. In India, while teaching, there's an idea that some people will become devotees, others will remain well-wishers. And these well-wishers, they give money, they come on festivals, take prasad. So, although we know that they are not following the principles correctly, they are giving money, they are taking prasad from us. So we don't preach to them. Although we are taking money from them, they are invited to the temple. But we are preaching to some other class of people who like to listen. So is it alright to take the money and... Again, we have to see individual cases. (coughs) There are (coughs) certain kinds of people who are on that platform, that they like pious, they like to... They're pious and they like the sense, I am a donor. So maybe for them... The best service they can do at this stage is to give some donation and then we can use it to preach to people who are more sincere. But it may be a misconception also to think that these people can't become devoted. There are many people who, uh, they were approached first of all for donations who actually became serious devotees. So why should they be denied Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mercy?